Welcome everybody to today's uh, MediaWorks Digital Masterclass. Um, the title of today's session is The AI Revolution, Unveiling the Future of SEO with Generative AI. Um, I mean, I thought we could have done a last minute switch and talked about Apple's new headset, but no, AI it is. Uh, we'll, we'll save Apple's new headset for a, a future one. Um, joining, um, I'm Paul Mallett, so I'm Managing Partner of MediaWorks in Leeds. Uh, joining me on the Masterclass today, we've got uh, Dan Hogan, who's our CTO. Uh, we've got Anna Chadwick, who's a Strategic Planner. Rachel McGuigan, Head of Data and Insights. And Tom Chandler, Head of Paid Search and Shopping. So, good crew today. Um, so... As per normal, um, what we tend to do to prepare for these is we kind of set ourselves a bit of a structure, some topics to go through. Um, hopefully, you'll find it really interesting. Um, hope you know. Feel free to ask questions as we go through. Pop them in the Q and A, and we'll we'll attempt to answer them, or we'll ignore them if we don't know. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's always good to be interactive. Um, so, I guess just to kind of um, you know set up the uh you know what we what we're going to be talking about today um so i think just to kind of a, a very quick intro to ai and generative ai and you know what what we could be doing so um i think you know you can't you can't move in the news for for stories about ai and how we're but you know but it's going to wipe out human existence as we know it um and at the same time um stories of um it revolutionizing everything and you know if you haven't used chat gpt then go and use it it's quite mind-blowing um and all the other ai tools and technologies that are coming along um but i think you know like i said about you know apple launching their headset yesterday well we had google io a couple of weeks ago and um quite amazing um, the kind of things that they were showing there. So um, clearly the impact of AI on search um, is, is going to be a hot topic. So I think just to recap what we mean by AI, artificial intelligence, you know, it's a, it's a pretty broad term um, that refers to the capability of um, machines to imitate, you know, intelligent human behaviour. Um, and really, it's about creating systems um, that can understand, learn, apply knowledge, make decisions, and even get creative. Um, so I think, you know, ev everything that it might mean is coming to be a bit more tangible, as we see these examples coming in front of us. Um, and I think that, you know, if you go digging, you'll see different types of AI. But, you know, we're talking about generative AI today or gen AI. Um, and... Um, I think you know that they're not only kind of mimicking human intelligence, but also um, they're learning um, and they adapt to environments in real time. They they adapt to prompts prompts in real time, and that means that they can provide even more personalised and interactive experiences. Yeah, and I think the thing I'd say, Paul, is when we're talking about it in terms of search, is that AI isn't really that new in the context of search marketing. So, like, uh, within Google particularly, AI is something they've been really pushing and, and building into what they've developed over the years. And I think, you know, with ChatGPT being in the news a lot over the past, you know, three to six months, actually, you know, the, the model, the transformers that that's based on actually came out of something that Google built, which was BERT. Um, and that was, you know, built really so they could fundamentally do more with the, the search engine in terms of, you know, how they they could understand and produce faster search results. Um, they also launched Mum quite recently, and that was their kind of um, multitask unified model, and that was to help them understand natural language. So a lot of AI is, is really fundamentally been part of what Google's implemented within search for quite a while now, I think. It's just because AI is now a hot topic that we're seeing a lot more about it uh, in terms of, you know, wider talk within the, the press um, and how that's going to develop. Um, and things like personalized search and suggested search, again, is AI that's powering that. So we've all kind of been accustomed to it. We've just never thought about this being something that, that has powered what we've done on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's really those models like GPT, Palm 2 that Google have released that's really developed a lot faster and at a greater rate that's led to a distribution in the market that's led to more people understanding the power that it's got 
And I think that's really put the spotlight on the likes of Microsoft and Google to understand, okay, well, how do we put even more generative AI into the products that we've got like search? Um, and how do we wrap it into our advertising business? Because people are really saying, you know, this is the future of, of search. This is the future of technology. So they're having to really put their their best foot forward to, to implement it into what they do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and I think, like you say, it, it's been it's been there, but we haven't really acknowledged it. So, I think it's uh, it's quite interesting to see it becoming a little bit more explicit and obvious now. Um, so, kind of where where we're at, at the moment with generative AI powered search. Um, so, we kind of so so Google have got their new experimental feature which they're calling generative search experience so um and if, if you look at some of the videos um from google io you can kind of see you see this and a lot more in, in kind of uh, practice so it's kind of it's kind of um live in america at the moment as an opt-in so um and and they've they've got, they've got something called search labs that you can do this through but um what you're now seeing then is AI generating text summaries of search results. So, um, you, you know, uh, I, I think, you, you know, it, it, I, I think it's going to be interesting from a user point of view uh, where we've seen the kind of summaries that Google can generate and answers to questions and that kind of thing, that this is going to be doing it in a different way, but will it feel similar? Um, and, you know, how will people react to it being a, a generative result um, rather than a result with a link at the bottom? Um, so that's going to be very interesting how that plays out. And then um, obviously we've now got um, within Bing um, that you've got kind of chat baked into Bing. Um, so, you know, woohoo Bing. So that icon that we all had on our Windows computers, suddenly we found it useful. I'm being rude to Bing. Bing, Bing's great. Um, but certainly everybody's been using Bing a lot more. So um, where obviously Microsoft have got their partnership with OpenAI, so they've um, leapt in. Um, and I don't know about you, but I can't move uh, advertising targeting Bing ads at me at the moment, trying to get me to, to jump in. But there's obviously they, they have their, their chat option now. Um, and um, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of disconnected from search at the moment. So it's kind of a separate area, but um, definitely another another one to keep your eye on in terms of um, you know how, how, how are people going to use this and how are people going to react to it and how they're going to find it useful. Um, so, and I think as well as um, Google and Bing, um, you know, they're obviously, um, well, Google and Microsoft, um, you know, very big players in the market. Um, there are other other kind of search, um, you know, AI um, generative um, search tools out there. So there's one called Perplexity. Um, they're trying to, you know, base their, their search engine on AI. Um, but you know, market share very low. Um, there's other like AI nat native uh, platforms like Neva, which have disappeared, but they've been acquired by Snowflake. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I think you know, whilst it's always worthwhile keeping an eye on um, the other players, see what they're doing, see how they're innovating, see how it's changing either user behaviour or user experiences. Um, I think you know, being marketers and, and operating commercially, then you know, keeping an eye on what Google are doing because their market share is still ninety percent across all the core territories that they operate in um, is where we should be looking. So I think you know, that's kind of kind of where things are at now. So. Um, Dan, what 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 should we do about it? What what do we think the opportunities are for AI powered search? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I think there's a wide view of kind of what's going to happen next. I think, as you say, the Google particularly have rolled out the, the kind of search generative experience as something that's experimental. I think they're kind of trialing it. I think they've they've put across that it, it, they still see themselves as a jumping off point which means that you know they still see themselves as somewhere that sources citations and sites where people can go and lead on to somewhere else where they can they can read further information so they are seeing themselves as a traffic driver to websites and publications so we should probably see that as the long term intention so given that that really is their core revenue stream they're ad their advertising platform after all so people are really buying traffic and conversions from them and then I think the other side to that is that search engines are ultimately fueled by content. So if they become somewhere where their content is ultimately 
fueled by people giving them content, but they don't give them anything in exchange like traffic or conversions, then it's a bit of an unequal exchange. So I feel like the Google had to weigh this up in terms of, you know, what do we do here with generative AI? And I think, you know, what they're not necessarily doing is that full, we're going to create every answer. What we're going to do is we're going to create some of those answers top from the best sources, but under the scenes, we're really looking at the core disciplines of everything that really has made up search results from what we've done over the last two decades. So I would say that it draws us to really the core disciplines of what's always existed on the, the page. I know we, today we kind of talked about SEO, but I, I think it's more about the broader topic of search marketing. And when we're talking about AI and search, and it's it's things like SEO and paid coming together. And I think you know Tom will talk a bit more later on around you know how how paid is becoming more prevalent on the page. I think they are converging a lot more in terms of what that looks like in the layout. But in my view, from an SEO perspective, I think this is just an, another evolution or an adaptation of of what exists. This, what existed before and, you know, how we've lived through changes in terms of Google updates. So, you know, we've seen lots of iterations in the past and we're likely to see those to change. So from an SEO point of view, I think tech content and links are still going to be massively important uh, and they're the foundations. Uh, I think things like um, EAT or EAT, you know, the things where we're looking at uh, experience, ex- expertise, authority and trust, are going to be even more important. And and I think, you know, there's probably some areas there where you, you'll have more um, experience there in terms of what you look at from a, a content strategy in terms of how that underpins what, what we look at. Yeah, exactly. And I think the key bit there is, you know, not too long ago, they introduced, Google introduced that experience element of that double eat as well. And I think that's going to be the thing that needs to stay at the forefront of that SEO strategy as well. And within that experience element, I think there's going to be a real shift in focus to that first-hand experience with that subject matter. But the key part of that is that that insight has to be authentic, authentic in the way that you are entitled to talk about that topic. You have the first-hand experience, but also from your consumers as well. So that's going to be where I think this iteration is going to um, support that big boost of sort of user-generated content and reviews to provide that first-hand experience that Google can sort of use this generative AI to combine as well. And I think more focusedly, you know, e-commerce is going to likely reap those benefits as well because currently, you know, 79% of online shoppers are saying this user-generated content is what is highly impacting their purchase decisions. So I think within strategies and what we would talk to clients about when this is sort of coming into fruition is making sure we can utilize images, video testimonials, uh, product reviews, whether it's user-generated YouTube videos or blog posts to sort of build that brand and drive that customer back to your brand and those values as well. And I think this Google sort of IO progression is going to look for that more specific insight, as I said. So there's going to be that shift in search behavior now where someone in the past might have searched hotel in New York, it's going to shift to that more specific potentially hotels in New York, Overlook and Central Park. But as part of that, there's going to be that emphasis on detail and insight from that user-generated content to show that is true and that is the case and your hotel fulfills that need as well. And that sort of leads on to that importance of growing content formats as well. So that needs to be curated in order to make sure you're rewarding yourself, your brand, greater opportunity as part of this update. So being able to present that content in multiple formats, whether it is, you know, infographic, user-generated video, it makes sure that when this sort of solution answer is pulled together, it's meeting the needs of your user as well. And I think, you know, the ultimate sort of takeaway in terms of content for this is that it needs to be people first. So it needs to be created primarily for people and not to manipulate those search engine rankings. So this is where sort of knowledge and understanding of that customer base is going to be more important than ever. You know, I need to know who is that ideal customer and how that will influence your overall content strategy. So whether it's, you know, would they find the site useful generally and will that then appeal to their search behaviors and needs? And I think will you need to ask, will they leave the site feeling that they've learned enough from it as well? And that's where the sort of 
greater focus on that ideal customer and what they're looking for as a result is going to support you in being able to feature as part of this um, iteration as well. And they're going to be able to sort of deliver your content to the right person before potentially more generic content as well. So that informational gain element is going to be able to award brands quite a unique opportunity to be able to have their content in front of the exact customer that they want to target because of being able to tailor it so focusedly to that customer base. Just before we move on to the next bit, so um, just just kind of reflecting on what we're saying there, it, it, it's almost like Google is Google is getting better at help at understanding the question. Exactly, um, yeah. And therefore giving the most appropriate answer. So as Dan was saying, it's kind of an iterative thing that Google has been getting yeah. better and better and better at this. But it's almost like Google is, um, with AI, is helping you to understand what you're actually asking for. I think your example in New York hotels is a good example, but you probably didn't realise what you could ask. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so that's quite. It's quite an interesting perspective to think that Google's getting better at um, understanding the question and therefore being able to link absolutely the most detailed content back to that question. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Carry on, Don. <laughs> I think the only thing I'd add there is the ability to converse. So the additional queries that it suggests as a side from SEO on paid also suggests that what they could do in terms of their advertising model is continue to suggest other things you might search for that would add sponsored listings. So like really what they're trying to elevate is ways to keep getting you to see more ads. So you can kind of see in their head that if we keep giving you more suggestions of where you could continue to search rather than go off, might also be a way that they could continue to get you to, to see more ads um, in, in the, the Google real estate rather than going off site. Cool. So I think I was going to say from a so from a paid perspective, when it comes to yeah, I think that the point Dan made at the start in terms of when it comes to the search marketing component, Google Ads, a lot of this AI um, component isn't necessarily like brand new. This isn't the first time that we're talking about AI in the context of specifically performance marketing. Um, so like two weeks ago or so, we had Google Marketing Live, which um, I once heard referred to as the Glastonbury for performance marketers, which I don't necessarily disagree with. It's like where all kind of performance marketing uh, geeks hear about all of the, the updates that are coming to the products that we use. And AI was certainly a big talking point, but it was a big talking point last year and the year before that as well. What we're certainly seeing now is um, an even bigger leap in terms of the application in terms of, of AI. For example, the the search generative um, experiences side of things that we've mentioned in terms of how that can be used to further make things like when when people are searching, it's more relevant to their interest in their search history is a big component. But in particular, when we talk about generative AI and in particular on performance max, um, Gen AI is a really big talking point in the last few months, this year, for example. But this is something that we saw last year within performance max where um for example, Google would be going and creating um, video content for advertisers if they didn't provide that video content for them. Um, that has evolved uh, again from this kind of most recent update from Google where things like um, text assets, images, and videos for performance max campaigns are further being integrated as part of that. I think the big thing that is still to be um, kind of fully aligned from a Google point of view in the kind of the, the, the AI is making sure that that quality from a branding point of view is still there. We'll find out what that looks like over the coming months as more of these kind of products are released, for example. Um, but in particular, one of the things that came out of the, the Google Marketing Live and, and the recent updates was the conversational AI within Google Ads, which um, in essence enables advertisers to have a conversation with Google whilst they're creating their campaigns, for example, to make sure things like their budget, their campaigns, the, the whole targeting component um, aligns to the goals that they're, they're trying to meet as a business. Um, so that, it, it, I, I suppose, on the face of it is um, quite um, quite new and quite cool in terms of, it, of its application. I do still think that one of the things that, that we'll, we'll find out more about this is the application that has in terms of being scalable for, for, for SMEs, but also for the larger retailers. I think a lot of the, the updates that, that we've kind of seen in particular from Google Marketing Live, and it's even mentioned as part of the um, 
the event is a lot of these products when we're talking about AI is being able to advance the the, the capabilities for a lot of small to medium sized businesses in terms of the um the, the options they have within campaigns to, to use, for example, generative AI for performance max to, to create that content side of things, but also to minimize some of the complexity around campaign creation, which is, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out over the, the coming uh, 12 months, for example. Cool. So um, that all sounds uh, like very exciting. Um, are we seeing any kind of challenges or pitfalls that we need to be looking out for at the moment? Um, yeah, I think from my point of view, I think the big thing that you need to consider at least rather than necessarily a challenge to start with, I think it's just going to be that that layout is a big change. I think you know, we often see lots of iterations of the layouts and Google tests a lot, but this is a big change. If anyone that hasn't seen what the new layout looks like with the search experience, there is a big area at the top and a lot of the layouts change. You know, things like links underneath it have changed. They're not blue, they're black. And we're seeing a lot of um, things that come into that uh, generative experience uh, come in, you know, for transactional keywords. We're seeing it look like a, a product listing page. So I think how users interact is going to be interesting. And I think that's something that Google's massively testing. And I think that is one of the key reasons it's in the experimental phase and they're understanding what is that going to do. Um, so I think, for example, you know, what's that going to do in terms of knock on to how people interact with results? So, you know, click through rates, what's going to happen there? What's going to happen with traffic as a result? So if you are a big brand, you know, if you were Nike, and you used to rank for Nike trainers, position one, two, and three, probably, you would have taken most of that traffic. And, you know, people maybe doing sponsored um, ads would have taken some of that, but there would have been a lot of brand preference for people that go to Nike as position one in the organic results. But actually, if above that, there's a generative result that's showing you the most popular trainers within the Nike trainer range, and actually what it's doing is listing lots of stockists that sell those, showing you the different sizes and places you can get them with different price points, lots of reviews, telling you who's got shipping. Like That is going to really disrupt what that brand traffic looks like for big brands. So what's that going to do in terms of click-throughs? What's that going to do in terms of brand traffic? How is that going to disrupt the space for paid? And you know that's some stuff that Tom will be looking at in terms of you know what does that look like in terms of incrementality and all of the tests that we've done in the, the past or, or, or shift. And then, you know, how does that work in terms of informational terms? You know, very top of the customer journey terms, how will they change? Um, if there's a lot more zero-click um, based terms, you know, people might get the answer off the gen AI response, um, or they might click on the three results at the top right, but they might not click on anything underneath, or actually people might just ignore the generative AI. Sometimes it takes a few seconds to generate, and how many people will just scroll past it? And also we're seeing on some results that you have to press the generate button. So do you have to do that all of the time or is that a cohort testing and they A-B testing to see whether people do want to generate it? Um, or is that a cost-based uh, approach and they're understanding actually how much is it costing us to generate these all of the time? And do people really want them? Um, so I think that's something that is potentially going to be a challenge that we have to understand. And what will that really do in terms of, you know, the information that we get given? And I think that really comes into something we just have to kind of let the dust settle on and understand what, what rolls out after the kind of six months that, that we see this being tested in the US. Yeah. And just, just before you go on, Rachel, um, just we had a, a comment from uh, Louis, one of our attendees, that has said, um, while Google changes, Google AI changes the way people can search, uh, will it necessarily mean that we'll see a change in the way that users will search? Um, I, I mean, I, I think everything that Dan's just said, uh, I mean, if you if you compare how you search on Google now versus how you did five years ago, 10 years ago, it'll be radically different every, every time that you look from, you know, preemptive, um, you know, preempting what you're searching for, um, offering different types of search results, offering zero click results where you can get the answer in page. Um, so I think, yeah, the, 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 the jury's out a little bit on exactly how it's going to change, but I think you can pretty much guarantee that it will change. So back over to you, Rachel. Yeah, no, Paul, I agree with that. Actually, I feel like people might end up getting hyper-specific because almost 
before you you couldn't, so you were quite generic, and then the user themselves had to troll through all the information and find what best suited them. Whereas actually, what you kind of say in Anna's example about the hotels, you can actually be hyper specific with your requirements, the conversational element, which is probably like keywords that we maybe never really thought of. There was never enough intent to capture before. So I do feel like there is potentially room for change there and what people search. But it's really no surprise that the challenge that I'm going to talk about is the data and the attribution behind what this means for us as marketers. I think collecting that data, like it's not known how we will collect it. It's not known on how we're going to gain visibility of it. And that is what is what we foresee is a challenge and a pitfall of this right now. We talk about the way that um, traditionally we would focus on specific keywords and we would sort of track those within the SERPs. Um, but as the results in the SERPs change, as informational and transactional SERP results almost merge into one and the intent overlaps, how we think about tracking um, the intent of the user and the experience that they're being delivered is really a lot more tricky now and what that should look like. So I do think if users are going to be moving more towards these hyper-specific queries with conversational approaches, you almost have to step away from a, um, a singular keyword focus and almost go back into a, a topic or a cluster because actually the way that people talk in conversation um, based on the location that you're in, et cetera, is going to vary. So how do you evaluate it as an overall topic rather than keyword specific? Um, I think that will be a big change in the way that we focus as marketers. Um, and then one of the more difficult ways when we talk about like the data that you can collect in your attribution of this like everyone in marketing talks about this messy middle and it almost feels like now because you are being served a lot more during the serves that messy middle is going to get even messier with the experiments that we've seen more decision making google is empowering more decision making outside of the website so you actually don't need to click through until potentially you're quite far down the funnel um, in terms of making your decision on that. And so I think previously we've aimed for end-to-end -end attribution. We want to know to pounds and pens what our cost per lead is, what our return on investment is. And actually, is that still going to be as applicable? Is that still going to be as important? Or is it now about how do consumers implement a range of tactics that allows them to win on page one of this new way of searching um, and its hybrids of kind of informational content, answering questions, being there when the user needs you and, and almost giving the best sort of result that you can. So I do think it poses a lot of questions for what that means from marketing and sort of analysing the data that you're getting through. And then also like from both uh organic and a paid perspective, some of the key metrics that we're probably very used to reporting on and comfortable with, maybe might not matter as much, or we might have to find new KPIs that hold more value. So for example, um, like the amount of search volume for the keyword may no longer be as sufficient. I know that from a paid perspective, like impression share, if like, what would that look like? Is there going to be a new metric for how many times your ad is seen versus how much intent is there? Like, there's quite a lot of, um, I guess, quite a lot of step into what that looks like. And I know we did some analysis recently um, for a client who, from informational, had managed to win a, a featured snippet, but actually at the detriment of click-through rate in that example for that keyword. So... It's interesting to know, like, how how do you win on page one is going to be a key conversation for what the impact of that has on data moving forward. Um, I suppose maybe not all doom and gloom because actually I know that um, Bing, they've alluded to having some of that information being surfaced in, in their equivalent of Bing Webmaster Tools. Are Google going to do the same? Are they going to give us some insight into what people are searching, um, how they're interacting with content that you appear for, for example? Um, is there going to be any form of indication of what actually is happening in that part of the conversational um, searches? So 
potentially there's still some to come, but obviously, realistically, there's some big changes that we still don't kind of know the ins and outs of. I think just to, to come in on that one, like Rach, from a from a paid perspective. So I think one of the the big opportunities and in, in kind of updates that we've seen, um, I suppose, in recent weeks in particular, um, impacting the kind of performance marketing side of things is the, the launch of, of Google Merchant Center Next, which is essentially going to be the, the new um, Merchant Center, which is going to have a, a fresh interface, new tools, reports, and, and be more integrated than it currently is with the likes of Google Analytics, um, but also Google Ads. I think this on the face of it, when kind of going through the updates um, from Google, looks really um really good in, in, in terms of some of its new features. But I think um, what I would say from this and kind of look into it in a bit more detail um, is certainly some of the applications that it has. So one of the big selling points, for example, of Google Merchant Center Next is the ability to create feeds um, essentially through crawling um, a, a client's or, or a business's website and then being able to create a feed from that um, data. Now that on the face of it sounds great and like an amazing use of AI. Um, the only thing sort of from looking at some of the examples even that Google um, have provided and doing a lot of kind of feed optimization and building myself is that this is something that on the face of it looks really, really good. The only thing I would I would say to this is that it's likely to be applicable really for, for smaller retailers that struggle to create and manage a large product inventory in terms of all of the different components that comes with managing a product catalog from the pricing um, the availability and, and various kind of um, attributes that fit within this, um, but also managing a small um, inventory. So realistically if you have more than say 100 or 200 products using the new um kind of merchant center next um auto created feed is something that's going to be slightly more um challenging because of the, the sheer demand in terms of making sure all of that product data is refined and aligned in terms of the, the titles and information that's not to say that um it's not going to be the, the solution going forward. The only thing I'd say is that this is something that feed optimization in terms of how um, feeds are built in, in the current format where we extract the raw product data and we optimize it um, based on a variety of different logic to align to vertical best practices. This is in its current format likely to be still required for um, for enterprises or for uh, retailers that do have of a large volume of products that are in and out of stock and, and likely to adjust um, going forward. So that's something I would say is um, it's certainly an exciting update from Google in terms of how feed optimization we look to be stepping closer to where this is. Um, we're going to use AI because when it comes to feed creation, this is one of the most time-consuming and complex components to for performance marketers to to ultimately start using the likes of Performance Max for online sales. So to see that we're stepping in the right direction is really good. The only thing I'd say with that is it's something that, um, in particular, that we'll be slightly cautious with in terms of not relying solely on that because it does appear to be um, applicable for smaller retailers that struggle with the feed creation component and also for, for retailers that have a large volume of inventory. It's not likely something that can be relied on on just yet. But there, there is a variety of, of other features within the Google Merchant Center Next, like Product Studio, which allows you to update images, also has, has various um applications but yes i think that the key takeaway there being that we're making a positive step in the in the right direction when it comes to feed optimization which is, is really important for retailers but not quite at the um the, the level where we're looking to manage large inventory of, of products or, or um complex kind of feed issues which which do require kind of feed management Oh, thanks, Tom. Um, and kind of aside from the the just the specifics of SERPs and um, you know paid uh, optimizations and shopping, any other areas where this is kind of you know blurring into into other topics, Rachel? Yeah, so I think this one is quite a interesting conversation because I think we've seen a hint of this. Um, throughout a few of the decisions that we've seen made in digital over the last few years. So ultimately what we're kind of feeling that there's becoming very blurred lines between our sort of digital marketing efforts in the um, sort of like organic search, etc., and the user experience that we're providing our customers with. So there was a new 
there's been a sort of newish term coined, which is SXO, which is search experience optimization. And that kind of uh, sort of pulls the pillars of SEO and user experience all under one umbrella and kind of saying that both should go hand in hand and almost you need to do, you can't do one without the other. Um, I think with the changes that we're seeing um, and some of the updates that we've seen rolled out, some of Google's announcements, really um, the point of where we're looking at what the user is experiencing, how they're engaging with the website and how the overall um, website is performing really is at the point where it, it needs to be considered if it isn't something that people have considered to date. Um, like I talked about some of the things that we've mentioned, some of the isolated examples we've seen of this. So we talked about the EEAT update that Anna mentioned earlier. We talked, um, we haven't mentioned it today, but we talked about it a lot when it first came around was Core Web Vitals, which looked again at like things like how fast your website loads, what experience are you serving to the people coming to your website? And then even from a paid perspective, um, quality score suddenly got broken down into key measurements. And one of those was about the expected click-through rates and your landing page experience. So all of this, all of these updates in the past that we've seen all almost reaffirm the wider picture that experience is just as important as the digital marketing efforts that you're putting out there. So really what we're trying to consider is how can you make sure that you are aligning your website and you're optimizing it as best as possible for what the users need. You need to showcase that you have that authority and that you're providing the right value for your customers without giving them a horrific experience. So for example, if we're talking about the fact that Google is going to be scraping data from your website to power results, your feed, well, how does your website become in the best possible shape for Google to be able to do that without just putting question after question content block after content block because no one wants to that isn't the desired experience that google are hoping to provide so really there you're thinking about okay well how do you have your web pages looking in the best experience possible how do you make sure that you're utilizing the correct schema in place to help google find that information as fast as possible um and i think it's probably just worth realizing that the Data can help feed, like th that is a really broad topic of how you improve user experience um, and the data can almost help you figure out where to start and help you make some better choices. So, for example, we've kind of talked about, I've kind of tried to pull two examples of where a person may be able to start with this. So the first one we've got is Google Analytics 4. It's a really hot topic right now. The deadline is on its way. But that's a great way to get top-level information around how users are engaging on your website. You've got things like bounce rate. You've got metrics like engage session, which is a brand new metric that didn't exist in the old world. So Google are, again, putting emphasis and importance on engagement, not um, which will help with the experience. So that will allow you at a page level to evaluate what's working, what's not working, am I delivering a good experience for my customers? If you have high bounce rate, um, the likelihood is the the page wasn't right for them, it didn't meet expectation, or um, there was a problem that they couldn't exactly do what they needed to do at the end of it. And what's quite interesting is obviously like Google Analytics 4, one of their USPs was also that AI was integrated into it. So it's going to be exciting to see where they take, how they take this platform based on some of the outcomes that are coming out from the SERPs as well. Like, are they going to iterate on the data that they're showing us in platform? Well, first, you use that platform to figure out, okay, where maybe some of my problems lie. And then it's like, okay, how do you understand the why and what the journey was to try and make it better? So, for example, um, Microsoft have released a new tool called Microsoft Clarity, which is a free platform and it allows you to see how users are interacting with your website. It covers things like heat maps, session recordings, but also has a lot of um, intelligence built into it. So for example, it generates power insights. It has integrations with Google Analytics. So all of your data is in one place. And then they also introduced um, 
a section for co-pilot, which allows you to ask things. So you can say, okay, give me a summary of this session recording or what are the key takeaways from this heat map? And it will generate short content around that. The idea here is that you can then begin to use this data to find the points of frustration, find where you need areas for improvement, and then ultimately try and improve that journey and that experience that you're um, sort of um, serving your customers who are visiting your website. I know that in general, across the UX space, um, a lot of tools now are talking about how AI fits into their business. It's almost stopping. It's almost like not becoming a USP anymore because now as like consumers, it's just what we're expecting. But I feel like it's quite interesting to see the shift in conversation change from these UX um, providers to talk about how they feed into this wider world of how people are using your website and what you need to do to provide the best experience for them as this conversation continues to develop. I think just to add on to that, what it's obviously like, I think the points that Rachel's made there like are so great. And I think they resonate a lot with kind of what I've seen over the last sort of five years, my time at MediaWorks and the role that AI automation has played on that. And I think a lot of the points that have been made there are about how we are focusing on more of the, the strategic initiatives, the things that actually drive like business growth and, and have a, a greater impact in terms of achieving business objectives. To give an example of that, like I remember I started um, in 2018 where AI automation um, in a context of performance marketing wasn't that big. It wasn't really a thing yet. Google had it was in the very early stages of launching a lot of its products, which meant that the role that I had and my team had, it was very data intensive, a lot of time in spreadsheets and less time focused on achieving a lot of the objectives, the strategic objectives, you know, feeding into conversations that Rachel's mentioned there. Whereas what we've seen now in terms of the, the automated product evolution, primarily over the last few years when it's come to bid automation, so how we are acquiring customers and making sure that we're maximizing efficiency has been the, the big kind of focus over the last few years. All of that has meant is that the efficiency side of things and how more of, of my time, my team's time, that the agency's time is focused on those initiatives and, and strategy focused um, kind of pillars that, that actually drive that business growth and take away a lot of that heavy lifting that previously would, you just you quite simply would slow you down. And that I think has been one of the, the largest growth mechanisms that AI adoption and the application of a lot of the, the tools and, and, and applications that have come out has really been able to drive you know, marketers um, significant growth because they're focusing more on the, the strategic initiatives. Yeah, cool. Um, and I think just one uh, last one on these kind of lines blurring. Um, if you do go back and look at the um, the video trailer for Google Perspectives, which is kind of showing all of everything that we've just been talking about coming together on a future vision of, um, of what search will look like. Um, really, really interesting to see the role of human voices coming into it. So, yeah, you can do a search at the moment. It'll bring you back a YouTube video. Great. But if you look at the perspectives one, where it's actually surfacing social media content, people just having conversations about something. So, you know, if you really want to know whether Marmite tastes nice or not, I mean, do you want to read a paragraph of someone writing about it or do you want to see two people having an argument? So, um, because there is, a, there is no right or wrong answer to that one. So I think this is going to kind of challenge a lot of our thinking about the role of information, how content is presented, um, different forms of, um, you know, evidencing what is best. Is it what sells best? Is it what's hot? Is it what's cool? Is it what's debatable? Is it, you know, um, and, you know, welcome to a world which is going to be uh, a very rich experience. Um, just before we do wrap up, Dan, um, we've just got kind of three questions um, lurking in the Q&A. Thank you for popping in some questions uh, to all the attendees. Um, I'll just take the first one quickly about what's your thoughts on AI using data scraped from sites when it comes to copyright ownership of the content? Um, I think, you know, Dan kind of said it earlier that, you know, Google, whatever happens, has got to offer value to, um, you know, its, its model is built on advertising revenue. So it still needs to, to have that available. So Google are absolutely going to get a balance between um, 
you know, making their, their, their search engine the best thing ever, but also being able to monetize it. Um, I think that, you know, there's a general point within ChatGPT about where did, it, where did this content come from and some of the pitfalls with that. So, you know, you don't get citations. Well, I'm sure someone will give a citation-rich ChatGPT soon. Um, but also, I think there's some interesting ones. Um, uh, there was a very good article I read about um, using ChatGPT for creative inspiration, where um, you know you can't be guaranteed that you're going to come up with a unique idea. ChatGPT may plagiarize it from someone else. So you know, I think within the worlds of AI, you've got to be ears and eyes wide open to where the information is coming from, how it's been produced. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that um, Google will. Um, destroy their, their their commercial model anytime soon. Um, Dan, you wanted to take a couple of the other questions? Yeah, sure. I mean, one was kind of directly that you raised, but um, it was about where we see the data coming from in terms of uh, content in Search Console around rankings and keywords. I think all we kind of know at the minute is that Microsoft have said that they're going to bring this into Webmaster Tools, so we are going to see something around Bing Chat come in um google haven't alluded to what they're going to do around the uh, generative experience yet um i'll see i can imagine we'll see something in search console um although they have created reports previously in search console that they've never released um so what that looks like we don't know yet um but i imagine that they will have to do something because i don't think we'll be able to see query data in the same way that we have in the past so they'll have to do something that allows us to see something around topics um, so I imagine that'll come. Um, whether that comes while it's in the experimental phase, I don't think it will. Um, I also think where they had quite a lot of cuts within the business, I think some of them were within the Search Console team, which is why we haven't seen as much rollout within that team um, over the last kind of nine to 12 months. So it's been a bit more limited. Um, but imagine this is an area that they're going to have to push as this rolled out. So I, I think we'll see something there. Um, and it's something we just have to, to to keep monitoring. I think one of those things, and, and Paul, we've touched on it in the past, is that we're going to have to look at data, but I think the key thing that this pushes us towards is to be a lot more integrated. You know, that this makes us not go siloed as these grey areas come together in this UX, there's SEOs, performance, there's social. It just means we have to drive more towards, you know, the objective of the client. And it's what the KPIs that, the overarching objectives for that rather than just saying okay what's that look like so what data can we pull and i think google will give us as much as they can but it might also be limited and in the past we had not provided and we might be back in similar uh situation but we just need to, to work forward from that yeah. um the other question was around uh, google's algorithms and prioritizing e-commerce sites over standard sites for product related searches um and how that didn't necessarily make as much sense given the introduction of AI sites and search approaches, for example, understanding of customer questions. I guess the intention there has always been that Google really tries to determine intent for product-related or transactional queries. And the view there is that if you have something that seems to be more product-related, the intention would be to show more product or transactional related sites because the intent would be that someone's looking to buy. Often they do do a bit of uh, intent mix. So, you know, there might be some informational pages um, or some, some generic pages put in there if it can't really determine if it is a fully transactional term. I think, as we kind of talked earlier, I think as keywords might change over time as user behavior changes and we see people be a bit more specific within queries where they're saying I'm looking to buy X or Y rather than just searching for men's trainers, we'll probably see those uh, results change a lot. Um, you know, in the past, we've seen lots of different results between how people search between best and um, cheap and all those different types of terms that you put in really influences what the results you get back. So I think this is just going to give a lot more refinement to the results that you get back. And I think the AI is just going to have a lot better reasoning in terms of what it gives back, in terms of that value, in terms of intent. So I think it will change. I think the prioritization has always been to just try and serve what it thinks is best for the user. Um, and, and that's all based around intent. So I think we'll see it change. Uh, and I think that prioritization is just there to, to try and serve what it thinks is best for the query. 
Yeah, and there was uh, just one final question, um, which I think is more for you, Tom, but kind of within Google Ads, and do, do we see a future where essentially keywords will disappear and Google will only offer dynamic search ads? So yeah, I, I think one ad to rule them all. I think, um, and it's something I've even had the conversation with Google on, is I do think that in the next five years, we probably will be in a keywordless future in in the sense that um, how we operate search campaigns won't be as simple as we put in the specific keywords. I think it will operate similar to the principles of shopping, where we're using some kind of feed data to use that data to match what people are searching for, but also there'll be increasingly um, more focus on making sure your website and your content is better aligned to therefore what people are searching for. You can see it, for example, just with broad match, that is a very broad related uh, keyword match type where you can you know, capture a wider variety of searches, which does take into consideration signals that are based on your landing page. So I do think that we will in the next five years um, get to a point where things will operate a little bit more like um, performance max and use principles of, of dynamic search. Yeah, cool. Great. Dan, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, sure. So I suppose, I guess, wrap up is really where do we see this going, going forward? And I think for me, it's probably just, uh, it's probably quite early to say where we think AI will play out within search in the short and long term, really. I think we're quite early in terms of the experimental stage for both Microsoft and, and Google. But I think we do know that AI has got the potential to revolutionize the way that, that search kind of is used to, to serve information for the user. So I think there's always the requirements that Google has to give back quality results. It has to do it at, at pace and it has to do it at scale. So the fundamentals that it's developed over the last two decades are still going to play a massive part in what it, it does in terms of any AI it puts in. So I don't think we're going to see anything drastically change in the near future, but I do think that we are going to see steps that we are all going to have to adjust for and make changes as search marketers. So we need to be aware of the opportunities and the challenges that they present and just you know adapt to strategies accordingly um, and make changes as they roll out. But as we kind of said there is... We just need to make sure everything we're doing is driving value and is focused on what the business objectives are. And as things overlap, let's just make sure that we're catering for them and let's not just focus on one thing and have a bit more of an integrated strategy where we can. Great, great. Right, well, um, that's us out of time, um, but uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that. I thought it was obviously, I mean, the topics that we're getting into there are so deep and fascinating. I mean, we, I mean, it, it is, it does feel like we're at the beginning of another big wave. Um, and I don't just mean in AI, I just mean in terms of how we approach all of this as, uh, as marketers as well. So thank you very much, um, Anna, Rachel, Tom, Dan, brilliant. And uh, thanks for all the attendees today. Hope you really enjoyed it and um, tune in next time for another installment I think the next masterclass we're going to do is we're going to we're going to go into a little bit more of the creative application of AI so um, watch out um, uh, for the ads for that and uh, come along so thank you all and have a good day thanks bye thank you, thank you everyone thanks everyone